This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation, and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews, we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL, your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo. Welcome back, Silver and Black. Today, we're looking back at the 2023 season since it's now in the books. Week 18 is complete. The Raiders, of course, go out on top. They win and get within one win of getting over 500. Since you can't be 500 anymore in the NFL, you have to be either 8-9 and nine or 9-8. Nine they were 8-9. and nine. And uh, we're talking about expectations. Did they meet them? Did they surpass them? What happened? I am Scott Cobranson. I'm joined by Mo Moten, my co-host. We are here talking Raiders football. Do us a favor. Make sure you follow Mo up on X.com. Keep him company. He gets lonely sometimes. M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully. The show is SNB today. Okay, Mo, we talked about it a little bit in the first segment, but the, I, I predicted seven wins. I think you predicted six or seven wins, right? So this team mm-hmm. wins eight games, which when they were sitting there at three and five and they jettisoned Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, who knew what was going to happen, right? You expected a bump a couple games because when you have a coaching switch like that, usually it goes that way. But the fact that the Raiders finished one game over 500, the final nine games of the season was encouraging. We saw the defensive progress, which was on full display Sunday against the Broncos. Again, Malcolm Kuntz's growth, Divine Diablo's growth, Robert Spillane's growth has been fantastic. Um, in my view, this team, with the exception of the offense, which we'll get to sec- in a second separately, this team overall at eight and nine surpassed my expectations because of how well that defense developed. All right, surpassed my expectations too because I was in the six or seven wins camp, so I was so they were one win better than what I expected. Still in the same ballpark, but again, we no one predicted that Antonio Pierce would take over for Joshua Daniels. So I don't know what I would have predicted had I known that. Josh McDaniels would get fired halfway through. <laughs> but um, it, it just goes back to my point about this team being better than a basement-dwelling 3-4 win team, which a lot of people thought they the Raiders were. And maybe a lot of that is attached to Josh McDaniels' little faith in Josh McDaniels. I understand that. But it's clear that this team, I don't want to say it's a it's one piece away from a Super Bowl contender, but it shows that this team is not you know, one of the the bottom feeding teams in the league, assuming that they keep a lot of their key parts. Now, Josh Jacobs, you know, may go elsewhere in free agency. He has an expiring contract. We'll see about that. But looking at the defense, and and I think it's important to note that Patrick Graham is probably going to go on some interviews this offseason. Oh, yeah. I don't think he'll get a head coaching job, but I do think he'll get some interviews. If 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 Antonio Pierce isn't retained, he may make a lateral move if he's if he's not on board with the new head coach. Not I don't want to say not on board, but if the new head coach wants a different defensive coordinator, uh, he could be elsewhere. So I I I sincerely hope that Patrick Graham is retained simply because we haven't seen a Raider defense this good statistically in terms of total yards and scoring 
in two decades. So (laughs) uh, I, this Raider defense has carried this team through a lot of the season. There were times where, and we'll talk about the offense. There were times where Aiden O'Connell wasn't on target. Offense wasn't scoring for stretches, long, long stretches and defense scored touchdowns. (laughs) And that's (laughs) how they beat the Kansas city chiefs in arrowhead was, was mostly the defense scoring two defensive touchdowns in arrowhead. So, I, while I'm I'm optimistic about the defense and the growth of guys like Malcolm Kuntz and even Tyree Wilson, who didn't have a massive jump in, in, in from between the first half of the second season and the second half of the season, had some bright moments. Uh, and there's some moments where I can say, okay, Tyree Wilson could become a starter and a, and a player who can play inside and outside and give the Raiders a push up front. I'm encouraged by a lot of what I've seen on defense. My only worry, as I said, is that they lose Patrick Graham and and they bring in a new coordinator and things kind of have to reshuffle for that side of the ball. And then you're going to have guys maybe having to fit into another scheme and having to learn a new scheme and get used to playing in that scheme. And then you may have some drop off. But for the most part, you could see the young pieces on on that side of the ball. You could see Robert Spillane being the centerpiece of that defense. I think they still need another linebacker. But you're even encouraged by guys like Trayvon Merrick, who had the game ceiling interception on Sunday. And uh, still Nate Hobbs, Jones being a, a midseason pickup off the waiver wire. There are a lot of good things going on on that side of the ball. I just hope that they don't take a step back with the new defensive coordinator. Well, and, and they might not have a choice, too, Mo. You, you talk about him, Patrick Graham, that is interviewing for head coaching positions and perhaps not getting them quite yet. And I agree with you on that one. But no one's to say he wouldn't make a lateral move. And you say, well, why would he make a lateral move? And it goes back to what we were talking about with the, the head coaching situation. That is relationships. There's going, there's numerous jobs already open. Washington, Atlanta, whoever gets those jobs, you don't know how the connection. So they might be connected in some way. And that would make Patrick Graham say, hey, you know what? I'm going to go there because I know this guy and I want to, I'm, I'm in with him, get, get more money. It does, it, who knows? But that's something people can't forget. One one quick note. How do you think the Raiders got Patrick Graham? <laughs> he made a lateral move from the Giants to the Raiders. Right. He, I guess he felt like that staff the Raiders had was more of a line of what he wanted to be a part of. So Patrick Graham didn't go from a position coach to the Raiders defensive coordinator. He was a defensive coordinator to the Giants, and he made a lateral move to the Raiders. So it's possible that he can make another lateral move. Again, if he feels like there's a better situation with another coaching staff. Go ahead, Scott. Yes, and I know we'll get into more in-depth uh, analysis of the season and play, especially with players and units. But back to – we'll finish talking about in this segment the offense because the offense, again, we talked about it last show, Mo. It's broken, right? The system is broken. You have a lot of the right pieces. We talked about Devontae Adams. We talk about the offensive line needing some supplement there. They need some depth. They need some, maybe at least one player there. And maybe Dylan Parham moves over to center. Not maybe. I think it's pretty much almost guaranteed he's going to move to center with Andre James being a a free agent. So you look at this situation and you look at the offense. It all comes back again to the same thing, which is quarterback. Now, Aiden O'Connell had a good game against, a great game against the Broncos. The Broncos, the 30th ranked defense. I'm not, again, I'm not poo-pooing his effort. He did good. He executed. But they're the 30th ranked defense. So the offensive line gave him more time. We talked about functional mobility, Mr. Momoton. And in yes, in, 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 in Sunday's game, he didn't have to be that mobile because the protection was there. It was the Tom Brady example. When your line is 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 just killing the other side, you have plenty of time. You don't need to move around. When he had to move around, he got sacked or or the plays broke down. So this goes back to the need for a quarterback. I had people tell me yesterday, 
curse me out that Aiden O'Connell is the number one quarterback going into next year. There's no question. There should be no, he doesn't need to compete. I'm like, I don't know what people are watching. Aiden O'Connell is a good quarterback. He's developing into a good pro quarterback. And I think he is incredibly valuable because you have to have a good second string quarterback who can win games for you. And that's Aiden O'Connell. What up, y'all? It's your boy, Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why are people so hyperbolic about everything, Scott? Really I, sensitive I, about everything. I mean, I, I, I talked about the turf on Sunday and people were, I, I had a guy who's a turf manager at the University of South Dakota go nuts on me and say, we don't know what you're talking about. How do you know about, excuse me, I don't know about being the president of the United States, but I sometimes comment on how he's doing. Because <laughs> I, I, I got some of that with Aiden O'Connell. I made a, I had a post on the X and I said, Looking at Aiden O'Connell from where he started against that in that Chargers game where he had, you know, where he was terrorized by Khalil Mack basically the entire <laughs> game yes. to what he ended up as in this final game against the Denver Broncos, I saw the development. I saw the growth. I saw the progress. And it was evident at, when he had a bad game, it seemed like after a bad game, he would bounce back. So we remember the Minnesota Vikings game where he scored zero points. He bounces back. We remember the Chiefs game where he didn't complete a pass after the first quarter and he bounces back. So yeah. I like this. I like that. He, he showed development and he showed resilience. Yes. He was injured on Sunday where he had an index finger injury, comes back in the game Tough and finishes kid. a pretty solid, a pretty solid outing against the Denver Broncos defense. I'll bet wherever they're ranked, it's still commendable that he was able to do that. So Correct. I said, Aiden O'Connell looks like a solid quality number two quarterback. He could be a long, he could be the long-term backup for the Raiders. And there were people out there who took that as a slight against Aiden O'Connell. Oh, what do you mean? He he was the best rookie quarterback behind CJ Stroud in his rookie class. He should be he should be in the running for you know starting quarterback. And I'm like, listen, I just said that Aiden O'Connell, I, I like the development in O'Connell. That's what you want as a as a back out of a backup quarterback. But you are not passing on the entire 2024 draft class to for crown Aiden O'Connell. As your starting quarterback, my guy yeah. Damon, who works at the draft, the draft network, said whoever passes on the 2024 draft class to start Aiden O'Connell week one deserves to be fired. And yeah. he's right. You're yeah. not passing. This is arguably going to be the best quarterback draft class in a very long time. You're not passing up on all of those prospects. You know, Khalid Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, Cam Ward, whoever you like. You're not passing up on those guys <laughs> to say, yeah, Aiden O'Connell is our starting quarterback for 2024. No way. No way. Now, can Aiden O'Connell compete for the job? And the best case scenario, yes. You're not moving on from Aiden O'Connell. He's not going anywhere. You're just adding another young prospect to hopefully win the job. And if that young prospect doesn't win the job and Aiden O'Connell makes this massive leap, so be it. But you're not passing on the entire class because Aiden O'Connell had a, had a solid finish as you know, as a quarterback with limitations, by the way, I noted that that he has some limitations, but he was good as a fill-in starter coming in halfway through the season. But again, you're not passing on the 2024 class for for O'Connell. And, and if you look at 
the, the comparison that the person made you second behind CJ. Okay. Let's not even get into that game because CJ Stroud had twice as many yards, twice as many touchdowns. I mean, it, it, it's not yeah, you, you're a far second and, and the rookie class, Will Levis didn't do much. He had a couple flashes here and there. Didn't play as much as Aiden O'Connell did, by the way, too. So it wasn't a great quarterback class last year. Bryce Young is the only one at the top of the draft that was, quote-unquote, a disappointment. I think that had a lot to do with where he's at. But nonetheless, that's where it is. So this is the point, though, Mo. This is where you talked about it with the coaching situation. Not everything is absolute. And because you like a guy and because the Raiders were one game over – I had somebody tell me that the Chiefs win was the biggest win, one of the biggest wins in franchise history. Like, what? It was a regular season game. It was a big win for this year. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, again, I'm not taking anything away from it. It was massive. On Christmas Day, it was a great win. But you're going to tell me, is it better than a playoff win that you haven't had in 21 years, 22 years now? No. This absolute, just this hyperbolic, as you mentioned, it's just crazy with people and I just think, though, that this team is on the right foot. They have the right foundation on defense. If you lose Patrick Graham, it doesn't mean your defense falls apart. <laughs> if you don't have Antonio Pierce, doesn't mean that the team falls apart and it's a two- or three-year rebuild. That's not how it goes. Either with Pierce's coach or without Pierce's coach, this team has gotten better. They're not that far away. And so I think people just need to realize that and feel good about it. I think there's a bit of recency bias or prisoner of the moment syndrome. I, I <laughs> want to call it. Prisoner of the it. moment. I like that. When 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 people want to tab Aid O'Connell as their starter for the 2024 season, I just shake my head and I think, while he did show progress, did you not? Do you not remember the Vikings game? Yeah. Do you not remember the Chiefs game? As I said in the Chiefs game, Aid O'Connell didn't complete a pass after the first quarter. Right. Now, now while I, I I love to see the development and the bounce back and the resiliency from him. There are so there are clear warts there and and not enough to to again prevent you from drafting a quarterback. I made this post on X2. I said if you're a team that doesn't have your franchise quarterback or you have questions about your starter, get a quarterback this offseason. Yes, That's all are. there is to it. You're not hitching your wagon to a questionable starter or a guy who you clearly don't believe is the franchise guy. No matter what, the Raiders should draft the quarterback. I just want to make that point very clear. Yes. And the other thing there, too, is I just think a lot of this, and this is not a criticism because, again, people's time, look, life is too short to waste your time on things that you don't need to be doing. But a lot of this comes from I don't think people watch a lot of football outside of their own team. And that's fine. Like I said, that's fine. So your team plays. the. You've seen the other teams your team plays. So if you're a Raider fan, you watch the Raider game. So you see two teams every week. But if you watch quarterbacks and if you watch what they're doing around the league, you clearly know the Raiders don't have their answer yet. It's, it's not even close. I mean, you watch the game. Even, even the Dolphins, who did so well, Tua, still question marks on Tua, right? Even though he did so well at the beginning of the year, you saw the game with the Bills on Sunday night. So, so again, you're right, Mo. you got to go get your quarterback, and uh, that's it. But I do think, as you mentioned, and we agree, <clears throat> excuse me, the Raiders did surpass expectations. So now – the bar goes up for next year. You won eight games this year with a good draft, with your coaching situation, your GM situation. You would expect the Raiders to be fully within in the range of qualifying for the playoffs as either a wildcard team or for the AFC West. All right, we're going to end this segment. We're going to come back and finish up the show real quick. Uh, we're going to talk a little more about what's to come for the Raiders. You're on Silver and Black today with Scott and Mo, and we're coming right back at you. Don't go anywhere. 